Bonjour, hello, and happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to the Aqua and Orange Show, your one-stop podcast for everything Miami Dolphins. I'm Justin Heyer here with Nick Bellotto, and oh my goodness, Nick, what a day it has been. What a two days it's been. Yeah. Whew. I mean, Chris Greer, Dolphins general manager, on fire. I know we generally start these shows with our trivia question. We have this format that we go through. We're just going to dive right in because we're too excited to do anything else. News of the day, Tyreek Hill traded from the Kansas City Chiefs to the Miami Dolphins in exchange for a first-round pick, a second-round pick, two fourth-round picks, and a sixth-round pick. We're going to get into all the details, all the nitty-gritty. But first, Nick, your reaction. What were you doing when this news dropped? It happened so quickly. How did you react? I got to have the full story. So... I don't, so I don't remember when I saw it. I think I went downstairs to pick up a package um, and I just happened to check my phone and they're like, oh, Tyreek Hill is uh, looking to be traded. And then like seconds later, it's like, oh, the Dolphins are talking to him. Uh, and then what, 10, 10, 15 minutes later, it's uh, okay, they're decided 48 hours. And then 10 minutes later, he's going to Miami. Uh, it was a whirlwind of like an hour period yeah. of me kind of learning all this different <laughs> news and these different pieces of information. Um, it was wonderful though. I will say that it's a, it's a double win for the dolphins, right? Cause they get their player, but they also keep them out of the hands of the jets, which is wonderful. Cause that would have sucked. If we had come second in this sweepstakes to the jets, that would have been very unfortunate. Yeah, um, if we, if this is exciting. These last this... two days. Oof. Yeah. The, the last two days have been, you know, I, I was thinking to myself, maybe, I don't know, Monday, I think myself that Chris Greer has not done enough this offseason, right? You and I talked about it last week um, or the last episode where he just he did some cool things, some nice stuff here and there, but he hasn't done anything yet. And I'm starting to think to myself that maybe just maybe we might have blown it. Uh, we might have ruined this opportunity. And now two days in a row, he's wowed me. So way to way to give me the roller coaster ride there buddy you, you you did a good job with it it was thrilling all the way to the end and i'm glad we uh i'm glad we got you know we who we ended up with it's incredible yeah he slow rolled us on this one you and i talked about how it almost seemed like each individual move that the dolphins made in the first wave of free agency each individual move was worth an a or a b grade but you put it all together and the lack of addressing the offensive line in a big way, the lack of getting Michael McDaniel what he needs in, in the, the top way possible, sort of lowered the grade, dragged it down to a C or what have you. This is now a slam dunk, A-plus offseason. Yep. No questions asked. No questions yep. asked. And in large part, not only because he landed an absolute haul of two stars in Toronto Armstead and Tyreek Hill, but it's not like – it wasn't the kind of thing where Chris Greer panicked, had to make a big move, and Nadama can sue to contract. Like, that did not happen here. These were – I don't want to say sensible because they're very large deals, but for what you're getting, relatively sensible. And this Dolphins offense now, in a massive way, is, is, is so far improved. This will be the most exciting offense at 22 years old that I have ever seen from the Miami Dolphins by – such a massive margin 
Me too. I mean, and not, I, you know, at 32 years old, like, yeah, this is by far the most exciting offense we're about to see put on this field. Um, by far. I mean, this is, and fast too. It's is the, I read somewhere that the, the four fastest plays or the players of the four fastest plays since 2016, right? Two of them were Tyreek Hill and two of them were Raheem Mostert. So like, can't beat that. And then you add in Jalen Waddle, who's one of the fastest guys in the NFL. You add in Chase Edmonds, who's one of the fastest running backs in the NFL. This team is all speed. And it was, of all people, uh, Keon Crossan, the special team that the Dolphins signed uh, last week, said that the one thing that has been made so clear to him from talking to Mike McDaniel and what have you is that this team is prioritizing speed in all phases of the game. And goodness gracious, it is so dang true. So the Dolphins this offense This is by now, far the fastest team in the NFL. By far. By far. The Dolphins far. offense now is Tua Tungvaloa Tungo at quarterback. I feel like I've practiced that enough at this point. I should know it. <laughs> Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert at running back. Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Cedric Wilson at wide receiver. Devontae Parker might be this team's fourth receiver, which is absolutely wild. Tight end Mike Gusecki, tight end Durham Smythe. And now, you know, you look at this team, they've had weapons before, right? They brought in Brandon Marshall. They brought in Mike Wallace. It's not like they've had fine. But the offensive line now, too, being addressed. Tron Armstead, one of the best tackles in the NFL, and we'll deep dive into that. Um, Connor Williams at left guard, Rob Hunt at right guard. And now, so now it's really just that center and right tackle spots where you might need to see some sort of, uh, uh, you might see some sort of uncertainty, right? They might draft someone to replace Dieter. Potentially, there are still a couple of big centers on the market, but we'll get into all of that. The Tyreek Hill contract, let's talk about that for a second. Dolphins are signing him to a four-year, $120 million extension as the max value. Uh, it has a guarantee, of, uh, a guarantee of about $75 million. And per, on a per-year basis, uh, if you look at the base value, it is now... Uh, the highest, the richest uh, contract amongst wide receivers, I believe. And so still with that in mind, Nick, totally worth it. Yes. Yes. Because yes. if there's no analysis, one thing, just yes, if there's one thing that this offense, I feel like over the years has missed and we tried to get it in Mike Wallace. We tried to get it with our Wilson. We tried to get it with uh, Kenny Stills, right? we're missing and we've always missed a legitimate home run threat, right? Some guy who can take the top off of a defense and, and do it with ease. And there's nobody better than that at that than Tyree kill in this game right now. There's nobody better than that. Um, so we got what I think is it was a huge gaping hole. As much as I uh, love Jalen Waddle, the way they used him last year, and there's no, you know, there's no indication that it's going to be used the exact same way that it was used this uh, in this upcoming season. But the way they use them, a lot of underneath stuff, a lot of kind of uh, reverse type plays, gadgety type stuff, gadgety type stuff. They really didn't send him deep often. They were usually sending guys like Mac Hollins deep. Now, and and that worked to an extent, right? Um, Mac Hollins had what like six touchdowns last year on those deep passes. Now imagine if that's Tyreek Hill. Right, comparing Mac Collins to Tyreek Hill. I'm just saying, like, look at how look at how our offense was run last year, and we and Tua had some success throwing that deep ball to Mac Collins specifically. Yeah, imagine if that's Tyreek Hill. I think the biggest problem that I foresee is the few needing to like 
recognize just how fast this man is. I'm actually predicting a lot of underthrown balls in the beginning as they kind of work out uh, some of these, uh, some of you know, the, some of the who the players are. That's how fast we're talking. So I think this is a, a slam dunk of a play. I don't think you know whatever money you paid him, as long as he can stay healthy, um, which ha- doesn't seem to have been a major issue for him over his career. Knock on wood. Um, I think it's a slam dunk play because now you have the most dynamic offense in. I, I say the AFC East, right? Um, and you've got an offense that can has has really closed the gap with some of the top offenses in in the rest of the AFC. So I think this is a slam dunk move for Miami. Because that's been one of the frustrations for Dolphins fans, especially over the past week, is closing the gap. Because every other AFC heavyweight was making move after move after move after move. You look at the quarterbacks alone in the AFC with Russell Wilson coming in, with Deshaun Watson moving from Houston, staying in the AFC with Cleveland. The offenses in the AFC are absolutely wild. And so to keep up with that, you look at Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, um, the, the uh, Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. This, this, it's essentially eight of the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL are in the AFC. How do you keep up with that? Well, the Dolphins are hoping so it can take a leap, but to get him there, you have to load up the offense. And so you get Terry Kill, you get Teron Armstead, you keep Mike Isecki. And so now this offense that we've listed off is ready, presuming to it takes that leap, to keep up with these absolute heavyweights, these monster heavyweights we have in the conference. And here's what I thought was most maybe overlooked because of uh, the massive news we were all seeing, but the the shrewdest part of Chris Greer's move on this trade was he gave up a first, a second, two fourths, and a six. And he kept both of Miami's first round picks in 2023. And so if for whatever reason, the Dolphins end this season saying, okay, we loaded up the offense. We gave Tua every single chance he needs to succeed. A top three wide receiver in the NFL a, the, a rookie wideout from last year who looks like he's going to be that level of player going forward. Mike Isecki, a revamped offensive line, two running backs who have done very well in this kind of system, and Tua still doesn't show that he's the guy. Well, you have two first-round picks next year. You can go out and you get whoever you want. You picks next year. Exactly. And that guy will come in with uh, an offense that is ready to go. But now it is Tua's prove-it year. It really is because it's all been lined up in front of him. Yeah. No, this is uh, – if Tua – I would even say midway through the season, if he's not made a, a huge leap in his play and his ability, I think they're going to bench him because this isn't a team that's built to, with the intention of trying to figure it, figure it out. It's trying to get it to the playoffs, right? That's what we're, our, the goal is. And I think these moves that there are being made, signing Armstead, bringing in all these different weapons, doing kind of, you know, this huge contract with Tyreek Hill, you're not doing it so that you can, you know, wean Tua onto this. You're doing this because you want to make a playoff run yep. now, this year. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Tua is struggling. You know, I think there's a reason they brought Bridgewater in as opposed to somebody else because he is somebody who is – is he a gangbuster starter? Absolutely not. But is he someone who is has proven at times competency? Yes. And I think there's a reason for that, right? With Tua's, you know, injury history, which I don't blame the injuries last year all on him, uh, I blame a lot of that mostly on the offensive line uh, with his sometimes inconsistency. 
Um, you want a guy who might be able to right the ship a little bit if things fall off at that quarterback position. So it is there is if Tua doesn't come out of this season with a clear indication, and I'm not talking about like we saw some flashes, like a clear Josh Allen type jump between years two and three, then it's time to move on from him because there is no excuse. You got him an offensive line. You got him every single weapon under the sun. There is no excuse. Absolutely no excuse. In terms of production and success, that's what we need to see. I mean, we know he'll never be Josh Allen in terms of the physical prowess, but in terms of production not, and, su- yeah, terms of production and success. No, I'm not saying go out and get, grow five inches. I think right. that's absurd. I'm saying like, cause, cause I saw something before we hopped on, there was a, um, a side-by-side analysis of Josh Allen in year two and two in year two. And they were very similar in their numbers. And especially in the advanced metrics, they were very similar. And then the bills went out and got Stefan Diggs, and look at what happened. Right. right? So my expectation is I, I don't, I don't need Tua to go out and turn into and completely mimic Josh Allen. What I want to see is enough evidence to say that he is the guy going forward for the next 15 years he just needed some weapons, and we can compete in the AFC. That's and, what I want. And weapons he has. I mean, Mike McDaniel, who is by all accounts from everything that's been said about him, not just from his former coaches, but players who have played with him as well, is the offensive mastermind to make this happen and to use Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Raheem Mostert, Chase Edmonds, all of this speed in the most creative and, and and fun ways that we could possibly imagine. And I am so excited to see that. And that should help take some pressure off of Tua as well, especially when you look at the offensive line they're putting together. And so let's let's dive into Teron Armstead here for a second and what Miami was yeah. able to do with that. Let's just point out for a second because there were worries. There were worries going into free agency. Are the marquee players going to want to come play for a new head coach and for Tua Tungavailoa who hasn't maybe shown enough Looks like it doesn't really matter. Teron Armstead comes in five years, $75 million. Now, we get it. Injury history, maybe that tempered the market a little bit. But he's not even in the top five of left tackles paid. I believe he's like seventh or eighth. And when you're looking at a guy who has been, by most accounts, one of the very best left tackles in the NFL at a premium position in a market that was exploding – I mean, the fact that he came to Miami, I'm not saying he had better offers out there. I'm saying the fact that the Dolphins were able to land him for that contract. And that Tyreek Hill, apparently his destination from minute one of his trade request, his preferred destination was to go to Miami. Looks like looks like the Dolphins are doing okay in attracting the big guys. Certainly helps that they operate in a state with no, uh, no state income tax and that it's sunny South Florida. I'm not discounting that. I'm just saying, it looks like Dolphins are doing just all right, uh, bringing in those marquee guys. And what Teron Armstead does for this line, not only in his stellar play, but look at um, it was Mike Triplett, who was a, a Saints beat reporter, was saying that no, the Saints aren't just losing a stellar left tackle. They're losing the leader in the locker room, the guy that was essentially, outside of Drew Brees, the leader on that team, on that offense, helping to develop the other offensive linemen. That's huge for Miami. Nick. That's huge. Huge. It's huge. Uh, it's huge. Um, so as I love the Armstead signing, I, I want to preface anything I'm about to say with that Uh-oh. first. Okay. But I have, it's not even a concern. It's not even like, I mean, I guess it is a concern because we walked, I feel like we walked in the off season 
and we needed five offensive linemen. And now we have two very good ones. Um, Robert Hunt is a guy who played a little tackle, played a little guard at, during his time in Miami, showed competency kind of at both at various points. We don't know how much of his dip from year one to year two was, um, you know, the surrounding play or if it was all him, it's hard, it's hard to really identify that. But I, I don't, it's again, it's not an issue. It's just who do we have protecting to his blind side, which I think is a question that really needs to be addressed. Um, and I know that, you know, the draft is upcoming and there's other things that might pop up and be available, but like, I love Armstead. Uh, and I, and I think that you're right. He's going to bring leadership. He's a, he's top five left tackle in the game when healthy, but who's going to protect the blind side. So if you had told me in the beginning of this, that I get to pick either him or like a L Collins probably would have gone with Collins a little bit more developed on that right side could play a little bit more right tackle a little bit more consistently. That's my biggest concern is the blind side to his blind side is still not secured. So as great as the left side of the line is going to look, we don't have a right side of the line that I feel comfortable with yet. And I'm not discounting Lel Collins. He's great. He's not he's not the caliber of player Armstead's been over over the course of his career. But you're right in terms of the position, the priority position on the offensive line. It's it's right tackle. So right. Does that does right? Because that... even you said it. The premium position is left tackle in a normal offense with right. a right-handed quarterback. It's left. It's right tackle with a left-handed quarterback. So that's that's my only that's my only hiccup. Is uh, again, it's not even the Armstead signing. It's just Chris Greer, have you addressed the blind side? And at this moment, you really haven't. You're banking on one of those guys who have shown right. very little growth to develop. And listen, maybe Hunt Hunt was pretty good in his rookie year at right tackle. He's a guy he who very might be good able, over the second yeah, half. Yeah, he, he was year. exactly. So he's pretty solid. So maybe there's something there. Um, and you know, with the new offensive line coach and new offensive system, maybe we can get more out of these offensive linemen. But uh, Going into the, you know, the draft where we have now limited capital, again, I'm happy that we do considering the trade that we got. That right tap, we better have a plan for that right side of that offensive line because it won't matter what else we do if two is still getting hit every single play and we still have the lowest pass rate win block percentage. I think that was right. So my guess is that Armstead stays at left tackle. You play a decade oh, at one spot oh, and you're elite 100%. there. My guess is Arnold stays at left tackle. Connor Williams he ain't at left going guard. My, so making our way down the line, Armstead at tackle, Connor Williams at guard. Barry Jackson of Miami Herald sent out a tweet earlier today, or maybe yesterday, that center is likely to still be addressed. Now, I put out a tweet earlier today uh, discussing some of the options there. J.C. Treader is the clear top option. Yep. Let go of from Cleveland one of the best centers in the NFL over the past uh, past five years or so. And if you can get him, if you still have the cap space after these moves, which the Dolphins, we discussed last week on our, on our show last week, there are a bunch of cap casualties that, that they can make and clear up a lot of space. So maybe that's still possible. If not, Matt Paradis is really the only other proven veteran that's a clear up, upgrade over Michael Dieter, who's still on the market. Then you look at the draft, Tyler Linderbaum no longer a possibility given the picks that we gave up. But Luke Fortner, Cameron Jurgens, people are talking about Alec Lindstrom from BC because of his connection to Matt Applebaum. Those are all guys who could be there in the middle rounds, just whether or not they come in right away and surpass Michael Dieter is a question. So if they're going to upgrade at center, it's probably going to be in free agency if it's right away, unless one of those rookie, rookies comes in strong. 
But your concern here about the right side of the line is certainly a fair one. And given the fact that Robert Hunt was so often in his pre-draft projection talked about as a guy who has a much higher ceiling at guard, my guess is he stays there. He is The first half of, the, of his second season at guard was a little bit rough, but he really came on strong, especially after the, that, that primetime Superman jump that he had that got him so much notoriety. His actual play at right guard really sure. improved from the rest of the year. I would guess that he stays there and that it's a competition between Liam Eikenberg and Austin Jackson, who had some, had some uh, analysts saying that he projected better as a right tackle than a left tackle. My guess is it's the two of them competing for that right tackle spot. And that is a little bit concerning given how rough their, uh, their respective last seasons were. But I don't know. Eichenberg said that he thinks he's most comfortable throughout uh, in his NFL career. What he thinks he's most comfortable at is that right tackle. He didn't get a ton of run at right tackle. He was really moved around a lot. And so if they just commit him to one spot in a new scheme with an offensive line coach, who is who was touted at BC as being a good teacher, like something Mike McDaniel wants to prioritize, then maybe Eichenberg can flourish at that spot. The fact that it's a maybe though at the blind side tackle spot is is where I see that your concern is coming from. Right, and again, it's not a it's not an Armstead thing. It's a right. we haven't done uh, we haven't done enough. And as much as I like uh, the idea of signing uh, uh, JC Treader, I just don't know. If, I just don't think we have a cap. We don't have the cap space at the moment now. It would not be surprising to me, right, if we start to see a few other players getting moved um, and oh, kind of opening sure. up some cap space. Uh, you know, I, I think Devontae Parker is one of those names that we need to keep our eyes on. Um, I think that he is now a big target for a trade. Um, Byron Jones, they might want to move on from him because he's got a he's got a big old contract and he is not as he's not living up to it. Now, you and I have talked many times. He probably was never going to live up to it. But he's not really close to living up to it. And that's my biggest thing is if you were like, you know, if you sign top cornerback money, if you're not in the top 15 corners in the league, I think we got a problem. Um, And I don't know if he's uh, top 15. So I think Byron Jones, Devontae Parker, I think those are some guys who you're probably going to see, you know, the Dolphins moving on from soon. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me um, if they move on from like a – uh, like a Miles Gaskin at this point. Uh, I don't know what you can get for him, but somebody yeah. might be looking for like a scat back or something for a late round pick. You know, I don't really know. Um, but there's there's a lot of players that are probably going to be on um, on the move soon. Well, and we we mentioned last week. You can just run on the Eric list Rowe, again. another one. Sorry. Well, yeah, Eric Rowe, Jesse Davis, Adam Butler, Alan Hearns, Clayton Fajetalum. Nice. <laughs> I'll never say it right. Stephen Carter, He's gonna leave the team Sabine, anyway. Greg Little. These are all guys who, if 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 you cut everyone on that list or trade everyone on that list, it's over twenty million in cap savings. And given the current state of the team, Jesse Davis doesn't look like he's going to be starting. Uh, given, given or or that he should life. be a backup based on his play. Right, and you can see you clear out three point six million there. Eric Rose no longer starting with Brandon Jones and Javon Holland there. Alan Hearns is certainly not going to make this team at this point. The fact that Adam Shaheen was given an extension, I don't think necessarily means he's staying because you can save $2 million by cutting him just about with very little dead cap hit. And you brought back both Gusecki and Smythe and you drafted right. Hunter Long last year. So right. most of these guys just don't fit on this roster anymore. Could probably contribute more elsewhere and could save a lot of money on this team's cap. So 
there's room to clear up space. Whether or not you can do it. use it to get a guy like J.C. Treader, it'll depend on how the Hill and Armstead contracts are structured, which we don't have all the numbers on yet at the moment in terms of yearly cap hit. So we'll see. The Devontae Parker trade, I think, is the one that's most likely at this point because Cedric Wilson's going to play, given the contract he was given. Hill and Waddle, obviously. And so to have Parker as your wide receiver four, despite the fact that he doesn't have a big cap hit, I, I don't know. The problem is that you take on a 5.4 million dead cap hit and you only get 3.3 in savings if you cut him before June 1st. If you cut him after June 1st or designate him as a post-June 1st cut, you could save uh, you could save $6 million on the cap. So th- there's... Parker? For Parker? Yeah, if you designate him as a post-June 1st cut. I don't think he's going to be a cut. I think they're going to try and trade? move him... Yeah, I think you're going to try and get something for him. Even so, um, uh, so yeah, uh, trading, I guess, wouldn't be so much about the cap. What do you think they could get for him? Ceiling? Ceiling. A day three pick. A day three pick. I was going to yeah. say ceiling would be uh, a third or fourth. He's not going to go for a third. He hasn't been healthy. Uh, you know, when he's on the field, he's great, but his numbers aren't awesome. I, I think, I honestly, I think ceiling is a fourth rounder well the nice thing for any team that brings him on is that the the base salaries left on this deal are 5.6 million and 5.79 for this and next year so contract is not a problem with Devontae parker so that's not going to temper the cost at all it's more about just his general his value to whatever team is bringing him on and i think he could be a starting receiver when healthy on a lot of teams um, yeah, I, I, I think he could be a starting receiver on this team still. Right. Uh, but he's not healthy. The room is a little crowded. If you're trying to recuperate something, he, his name just makes sense to be to be traded away. I will say, friend of the show, because he's asked to go, as, uh, Kyle Sondland, who we shouted out last time from the Security Token Show, friend of the show, friend of mine, really wants Parker on the Eagles. He keeps texting me. As soon as this Tyree Kill trade came in, he's like, Justin, go talk to Chris Creer, get us Devontae Parker. Maybe Philly could be a, be a solid move. landing spot. And the Dolphins great move. and Howie Roseman, the Eagles general manager, a lot of connections there. They've made a lot of trades over the last about five years or so, most recently last year. So I could totally see Devontae Parker fit in Philly. They have Devonta Smith, and then it's just like a, a mix of uh, guys. Who? Like yeah. Because Watkins and Jalen Rieger isn't doing anything. So Devontae Parker could totally be a fit there. Uh, I could I could certainly see that happening. Um, and then a couple other guys that could potentially be trade candidates. Gaskin's an interesting one. He's definitely an interesting one. You're not really getting any cap relief with him, but the Dolphins tendered Salvan Ahmed, who has familiarity with Mike McDaniel, and they have Mostert and Edmonds out in front. Gaskin as the fourth running back or even the third running back, that's an interesting one. I could see a move. It would probably also just be for a day three pick, though. Yeah, no, it wouldn't be for anything crazy. But you got to think if you're you draft him in the seventh round, if you get a fifth rounder, you're actually getting more value back for him, right? right? So for me, if you can get a fifth rounder for Miles Gaskin, why not? You know, take a flyer on some other. Hey, listen, Andrew Van Ginkle was a fifth round pick, turned out all right. Rashad Jones was a fifth round pick, turned out all right. So you can go get a fifth rounder for Miles Gaskin if you need to, just because that running back room is there's just a lot going on in there right now. Um, it just again, he's another name that I kind of thought of immediately as a as a potential trade candidate now. So, do you think this team, as it's positioned now, because this is probably one of the last big moves we'll see of the offseason, unless they manage to make a lot of cap space and get a guy like Treader? Hmm. Do you think this team, as it's positioned now, can take the division? 
The, the, the division? No. The division. I will not no. I, I cannot say that this team in any iteration of it can take this division until we go into Buffalo and beat Buffalo. Josh Allen has been in the league for how many years? Four. Four, four years. So he's had four complete seasons. He is seven and one against the Miami Dolphins. Until that changes, we cannot we cannot start competing for the division. Not worried about New England because we beat them twice. The Jets, the Jets are the Jets. I really think that Miami, I do think that they are the second best team in the division. I think New England um, making the moves or choosing not to make the moves that they avoided, um, I think they dropped into that third spot. As great as Mac Jones played last year, you know, there's not really a whole lot going on with them. They lost uh, J.C. Jackson, which is huge for them. Um, so he traded away I, Shaq Mason for peanuts. Yeah, which oh, so frustrating. Um yeah, so I, I think that uh, they're definitely the second best in the division. Um, but until you can go into Buffalo and beat Buffalo, or or just I'm going to take that back, beat Buffalo, even in Miami, beat Buffalo, and we can talk about it. But until you can beat Buffalo, I can't say it. Oh, we're about to change your answer here, Nick. Former Patriots quarterback Malcolm Butler returns to New England on a two-year deal. Now, uh, third, that uh, now they're Super Bowl contenders. Now, right New there. yeah, exactly. Now we got to get the New England and Malcolm Butler. I I struggle with this one, but I, I think you're right. The, before you even entertain the thought, because it, it's sort of um, an unfair question, because of course anything can happen. Miami it could potentially go on a magical run or whatever. But if we're answering the question fairly in a grounded way, I think your measuring stick is totally the right one. Once Miami proves that it can beat Buffalo – then we could have the discussion. And the reason that that is the needed measuring stick so far at this point is because Miami hasn't even gotten close in the past couple of years. Every game against Buffalo is a rout. It's not even, it's not even a fair competition. So until Miami looks competitive in those games and wins one of those games, I think that's a fair way to put it. Because if you're in an 0-2 hole against one of your divisional opponents, you can't take the division that way. Then you're not going to take the division. Unless they only have two wins on the season and they're both against you, then you can't. You can't. You just it's just can't. so unlikely. It's just so unlikely. So I think that's a fair measuring stick. This offense, as it's constructed now, is ready to keep up, presuming with Josh Allen, presuming Tua is able to captain this offense appropriately and score those points and stay healthy. So the, the supplies, the weapons, the support is now there. Uh, but I think that's totally right. I'm not even going to ask the wild card question. I think we both know the answer so, to that this team can't. No, we, I was I was going to ask. Well, I was going to ask because where yes, if you had to can. put Miami, if you had to put Miami, if you had to rank out the top teams in the AFC, you think that they could be that a wild card spot? I'm glad you said and, that. I'm glad you asked that because if you look at the teams in the AFC right now, I'm not sure just on paper because of the question mark at quarterback, that Miami is the fifth, sixth, or seventh best team in the AFC. However, the eighth or ninth best team in the AFC, or in any conference, will still routinely make the playoffs, right? I, I mean, that happens all the time. You don't need to be, you just, just, the way the ball bounces sometimes in terms of who has the tiebreaker, who has one extra win. So can they make the wild card question, uh, the wild card Hundred percent. This team is absolutely talented enough to do it on both sides of the ball. 
they just need the ball to bounce the right way and or have to take another step. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think that, you know, considering what we know about a lot of the rest of the AFC, really, I can't confidently say that Miami is the fifth, sixth, or seventh best team until we know what two is going to look like in this new offense. And we might know very quickly, and we might be changing our tunes, but at the moment, I would say they're at best eighth, which means they're on the outside looking in. At best eighth, right? Because you got to think, you know, there's that AFC West is absolutely insane right now. Pretty much every um, team is is a top seventeen. Actually, every team in that it is, yeah, is a top seventeen. Every single one of them, and then you throw Baltimore in there, you throw Cincinnati in there, uh, right? Obviously, bu- Buffalo, New England's uh, one of the ones that Cleveland, like, they, Cleveland with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, the AFC is stupid packed. Oh, um, Indianapolis now that they have Matt Ryan. Yeah, so so like Miami, Tennessee? they're gonna have to figure it out quick. Oh, who are they? Sorry. You know who I'm not worried about? Yeah. The Jets. That's uh, what I'm not worried about. The Jets. Not worried uh, about the Jets. The Jets. No, if we're worried about because the Jets, Jack then Wilson something went very wrong this season. If 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 Miami is worried about the Jets, I yeah, do. Exactly. I did like their free agency approach. I will say that every year they seem but to I make good moves. But, but their quarterback is terrible. If they, I, I don't think Zach Wilson. I, I don't think Zach Wilson is going to be good for them. He also got a lot of support. They brought in Lakin Tomlinson, and they have Elijah Moore, who really came on strong last year. They brought in um, CJ Uzama, the tight end, who did some great things at Cincy. He also has support, some support to take another step. We'll see if he's able to do it. But uh, he just, he again, just didn't show me. He just didn't show me anything in year one. And I've been saying it to you for a long time now. So we've been doing this. You got to show me something. I got it. There's got to be something that I can latch on to in year one that makes me say you still, there's potential for you, whether it's your accuracy, your arm strength, your, uh, you know, your, your smart play at the line of the scrimmage. Right. And you can, I mean, to his accuracy, Josh Allen's, arm strength, Mac Jones is mind. Like if you like, those are all things that you say, all right, there's potential here. Athleticism with Lamar Jackson. What did we really see with Zach Wilson that really said to you that he could be the franchise quarterback of this team? I don't think I'm quite as down on him as you. To me, I've been down on him since day one too. You remember that. That's true. To me, it's the improvisational skills that we, that we've seen from Zach Wilson, where there will be a, a couple of plays where you just say, wow, not many quarterbacks in the NFL can make a play like that. The problem is that they were nowhere near consistent enough on a regular – like you look at someone because like you can't Russell Wilson on. does it 10 times a game. Right, you, you, it needs to be more consistent, and it needs to be sprinkled in with otherwise very consistent play. Yeah, yeah. I Yes, it has to be sprinkled in. It can't be your only means of scoring touchdowns. I, I am not high on Zach Wilson, and he's going to do a lot to make me change my mind. And I said that again. I know it's a dolphin. So I said that before he was a Jet. You did. You did. You were not very high on Zach Wilson going into the pre-draft process. That very is unhigh on him. Absolutely accurate. And so far, vindicated. We will see what happens yes. in Zach Wilson's sophomore season. Yes. So as we wrap up our thoughts here, because we were very excited and, and maybe went in a bunch of different directions, your overall thoughts slash grades for or grade. Teacher's going to come in with the grade now for Miami's off season up to this point. A, not A plus, 
A because because of the right side of that line. I can't give you an A plus because you still have three question marks on your offensive line. Um, two, great. I can't wait to see what that side looks like, but the blind side is still unprotected. So, but I think the Hill signing was a slam dunk. I think you know how I feel about the Agua signing. Um, I, I think bringing Gasicki back on a on a reasonable franchise tag deal, great. Um, uh, Armstead, great pickup. The running backs, great pickups. But right side of that line, not address A. I'm going to go A as well. Really want to say A+, plus, but for the same reason. For me, it's not necessarily right side of the line. It's just right tackle. I actually think Robert Hunt is going to be a starter for a while in this offense. Um, I think he fits the scheme really well. He has that kind of athleticism that you need for a zone blocking scheme. So I'm going to say it's two major question marks for me on the offensive line, center and right tackle, or wherever Robert Hunt's not playing. But still, A, because of that blindside protection question. Also a huge fan. I think we very much agreed on a lot of Miami's free agency philosophy this year. We pretty much had the same question marks and the exact same excitement level for most of the moves. So, you know, Agba, Gusecki, Armstead, Tyreek Hill, certainly the hallmarks of this offseason. And honestly, Chris Greer knocked it out of the park. And He saved it, his job. He really Because in large part, especially when you look at Armstead, it's because of misses that the Dolphins have had on the offensive line. So understanding that these are course correction moves is certainly fair when you want to have perspective. doesn't take away from the fact that they were, despite the fact that they were course correction moves, home run moves in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, this uh, I home run and course correction. I think that's the perfect way to put them. All righty. So that brings us to the end of our special edition Tyreek and Tehran Extravaganza episode. Very much appreciate all of you watching slash listening. I don't I, I, because we came on so impromptu. No wild card question this week, but we will be back to our regularly scheduled programming on our next show with the trivia question with the wild card question. So be sure to stay tuned for that. To know when we are going live on YouTube, on Twitter, make sure you're following us on Twitter at HireJustin at OS06446. Make sure you're subscribing on YouTube and clicking that bell so you, you know when we're going live there. And please, if you like what you're hearing, rate and review the podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere podcasts are found. We certainly really appreciate it. Until next time, thank you very much for watching and listening, and we will see you on the next show. Thanks, everybody.